Better World. This is your host, Mitchell J. Rabin, and I'm very glad you're joining us again today. Those of you who listen regularly know that balancing the elements in our lives from our inner selves to our outer selves are what I often call inner ecology, inner ecosystem, distinct from the outer, uh, is so important to leading a healthy, happy, fulfilling, and meaningful life, a life of well-being and some sense of purpose and clarity. And we spend a lot of time in our lives focused on the outside world and that 3D dimension, which is so vitally important. It's uh, equally important as anything else, I would even dare say. And yet our society that is so outwardly oriented misses so much of our rich and precious inner life. And about this inner ecosystem, we really know, by and large, really so little. It takes some very special people, real pioneers and adventurers, to check out the inner landscape and really navigate it in a way and report back. Well, today's show and today's guest is exactly one of those people, Locke Kelly, as a psychotherapist at first and as a meditation teacher and practitioner, student of his inner life for decades, is really one of those people who has honestly taken his inner life and therefore our inner life very personally and very seriously and has over the course of years traveled far in bringing back to us all a greater understanding and appreciation of what it means to have an enlightened mind, to be aligned with one's true nature, to have an open-hearted awareness. In fact, he is the founder of the nonprofit organization called the Open-Hearted Awareness Institute. Locke is a graduate of Columbia University and Union Theological Seminary. He was awarded a fellowship to study forms of non-dual meditation in Sri Lanka, India, and Nepal from 1981 to 1982, and has since then, of course, delved deeply into a variety of disciplines under teachers from around the world. Locke has also spent 10 years establishing homeless shelters some years back and community lunch programs working in community health centers in Brooklyn. He also served as a coordinator of counseling and interspiritual chaplain he was at Union Theological Seminary during the time of the 9-11 crisis and worked extensively at that time with families who were experiencing some of the consequences, the fallout from the 9-11 event here in New York City. Locke, over the past several years, has been collaborating with neuroscientists at Yale, University of Pennsylvania, and NYU in the study of awareness training, which can enhance compassion and well-being. His work, Locke's work, and book has been published by Sounds True, Shift into Freedom, and this is going to be the basis of our dialogue tonight. So uh, it's uh, 
so much a pleasure for me. Locke and I have been friends and colleagues for many years, and it's a real pleasure to have you back on A Better World, Locke. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Mitchell. It's really great to talk to you. It's always great bumping into you at different places in the city. <laughs> we do have a kind of a synchronistic relationship in that way. <laughs> and I always get the lowdown on what you've been up to next. <laughs> That's right. Coming in from Yale last time, I think you were with yes. a meeting with a neuroscientist for some of your work. I think it was great. Yeah. <laughs> so. Really, in fact, I had you on last, I realized it was in 2008, so surely this is time to have you back. Much has happened over these years. The release of your book, you're having been chosen among the top ten spiritual publications of the year. I think that's so notable, Locke. Just kudos to you. Congratulations and mazel tov. It's uh, a real honor and acknowledgement of the work that you've been doing. You're one of those, I feel, that has just had his nose to the grindstone. And I should say, his nose to the inner self. (laughs) That's really what I should say. And um, I feel like you've come back to share with us all the riches, the treasures that you have found, and the simplicity with which we can all approach it, which is really, I'd say, a... um, a hallmark of your book and your work. So thank you for this good work. Would you lay out for us, just kind of just lay out your particular approach to uh, meditation and even deeper, just our inner life, because you uh, both align with many of the teachers that we know of, but you've also brought your own, I will say improvements to access to our deeper self. I'd love for you to just lay out for our audience what you feel we should know. Yes, sure. Thank you, Mitchell. Um so as you as you were speaking about the outer and the inner, in some ways uh both are so important and the links between the two so we don't get caught either too externally or possibly too internally, exactly. um, and there is a ultimately <clears throat> uh, meditation and spirituality is not an escape from the human condition, but actually a way to be a full human being and live Very uh, live together in the world. So, in <clears throat> in that way, that's kind of the goal, and to live, um, you know, from our you could say highest, deepest, subtlest, widest, Uh most empty, most full, most interconnected. (laughs) Yeah, right. Take your pick. It's like a Chinese menu. (laughs) That's right. But it's it's really in some ways all of those. Uh, But the particular interest uh, of mine is in um, accessing the subtlest dimension of Consciousness, which has been called many things. It's been called spiritual and religious terms, um, such as spirit or Tao or, uh, <clears throat> you know, higher self or true nature or uh, emptiness that's awake or um, <clears throat> higher consciousness. But whatever that is, it is um, when accessed and when 
that subtle, what I call, just to make it kind of a, to normalize it, I call it awake awareness. So a kind of awareness that's awake and becomes a kind of open-hearted awareness when it connects with our uh, human uh, body and interactions with others, that that dimension of awake awareness um, is so easily overlooked because it is invisible, because it is subtle, because it is not able to be um, known by the way we know so many other things, which is through our Mm -hmm. thinking process and through achievement and through um, owning it or grabbing it or touching it with our senses. Um, So It's much more lock in the subtle realm, not the grosser realm. It's there too. But what we're talking about is like listening to the fine notes of a, uh, of, an orchestra or a symphony instead of mm-hmm. the uh, just the bassoon or the kettle drum. Yes, and maybe even if we were going to even really look a little closer, it's almost looking or listening to the space between the notes. Yes. So in, so, in some ways, the, this, uh, the subtle dimension that I'm talking about is even subtler than the subtle body. In other words, it's subtler than energy. It's actually not energy. It actually is the space within the atoms, it's, which yes. makes it inherent within everything. So it, it's not that mm-hmm. it's not. It actually is is <laughs> extremely important inherent dimension of all of of everything and everyone, and it's what makes consciousness conscious. It, it's what it's what makes. Um, living uh, life uh, aware and awake. And yes. when when we're operating from grosser and faster-moving dimensions of consciousness, like thinking, emotion, identity, which form uh-huh. into a kind of a pattern of a little orientation and a habit of um, looking from there and taking ourselves to be primarily or only that body-mind, uh, <clears throat> faster-moving dimension, then we lose. We can't access or we don't feel the support and the interconnectedness and the freedom and the spaciousness of this dimension. So primarily my approach is to help people immediately and intentionally rather than <clears throat> you know long periods of meditation or having to join a monastery or leave Mm -hmm. for a cave, but to actually access using awareness to find awareness to shift or drop or let go or surrender and to know how to do that immediately, even in the midst of uh, your day, in the midst of a city, in the midst of any place you are, Um, Mm -hmm. and to make simply a shift, kind of a background, foreground shift from uh, thought-based knowing to kind of awareness-based knowing and from being a thinker or a doer to being your true nature or ground of being. A beer, right, a beer. beer. Would you (laughs) say, would you say, you've said so many interesting comments in that. Yes few paragraphs. Uh, I would love to uh, just tease out a little bit 
Uh, one yeah. is the awareness of awareness. That yeah. phrase is yeah. like fertile and pregnant at the same time. Yeah. Could you share with us what what does that look like? How how yeah. do we access that awareness of awareness itself? See now you're see you're exactly the same kind of you know person as me is is to even ask that question sometimes it's thought oh that's too esoteric you know that's a mystery you yeah. can't really ask how you do it you just have <laughs> to wait and wait for luck or grace or for you know yes, accident that of... point in the book right <laughs> yeah exactly and that's that, and that that's our that's our contemporary you know kind of willingness yeah. to say well wait a minute here let's slow down you just said awareness of awareness now how do you do that, you know? And exactly. interestingly, the first part is that the you or the efforter or the doer can't do it. And that's part of the reason it is awareness, aware of awareness. It's not you aware of awareness. It's not you aware of your breath. It's not mm-hmm. using your attention to be aware of a sound or of your body or of even... You know, attention. It's not attention from your moving mind. Mm-hmm. Um, the the premise is that there's a type of awareness, this awake awareness, that's already aware and inherent within each of us, as each of us already fully operational, and it doesn't have to be access, It doesn't have to be developed. So the kind the kind of radical thing is in this method is that when I'm when I'm saying become awareness of awareness I'm talking actually to the awake awareness in you asking mm-hmm. that which you may not even know you you have let alone that it actually has the ability to to know and to move to do this and then when you ask yourself all right let me just have awareness become aware of awareness there's ways that you feel for instance <clears throat> that you know you could even you know we'll play with this a little because you know the idea is to um <clears throat> go beyond ideas into direct um perception if people could mm-hmm. even just feel maybe what it's like just to unhook awareness from thought and I'm asking awareness to do that even if you don't know how to do that and just let mm-hmm. it let awareness just step back and then let awareness drop down and <clears throat> feel your jaw from within and then let your awareness know your throat directly from within your throat and then have awareness continue to drop below your neck so you're not looking down from thought and you're not looking up to thought, but awareness is actually feeling the space and the aliveness and the awareness directly from your upper body or your heart space so that you notice that you're aware of the awareness and the aliveness, but from awareness itself rather than from thought. Mm-hmm. And so that, you know, that there's a number of doors, but that's kind of one of the first unusually um, 
quick and immediate ways to move from conceptual to non-conceptual awareness. And so that you're aware from awareness-based uh, alertness, really, is, is all it is at first. It's just kind of alert. And everything's available. So, yeah. What <laughs> you have a sense of so that? I'll translate it into yes. an idiom with which I'm very familiar. Sure. I started practicing Tai Chi Chuan when I was like sure. 21 years old. and uh, The teacher always said, and I had been meditating by then as well, actually, I started that long before, but he said that Tai Chi Chuan required the quietness of mind that comes from meditation because mm. you're moving and it already presumes you can have a quiet mind. Because if right. you're moving your body, you better be pretty awake, my friend, or you could actually <laughs> fall and hurt yourself. Distinct from, let's say, sitting on a cushion where chances of falling are not great. So the probability right. of being on your feet and moving, if just subtly, is greater. And, you know, that was a little tongue-in-cheek. But the point is that here in Taiji Chuanlok, we would bring our minds to our Dantian or our center. Mm -hmm. So we would drop down just as you're talking about. And yeah. what it ended up cultivating was, I mean, there are any ways, number of ways of describing it. I'd like to hear what you have to say. A body awareness. We were yeah. connecting to our physical yeah. self, not our mind, not anything connected to our thought, but our body. Yes. So you actually, let me ask you this. When you, when awareness, which is presumed to be aware from directly from within your body rather than mm -hmm. be located in a tower in your head looking down at your body. Yes. Uh -huh. Because your whole brain is actually uh, <clears throat> connected to your Everywhere. nervous system. Your nervous system is part of your brain. There are cells in your heart that are like your brain cells. There's cells in your and gut, gut that are like your brain that are like your brain yep. cells. So the neuroreceptor whole sites. Receptor sites. So when you drop in you actually feel your body from within your body and what it feels like is a kind of effervescent, light, spacious, dancing, emptiness of yeah. kind of flowing ease mm -hmm. and you feel like you're like a cat. You feel very yeah. buoyant and free of Alive. a lot of tension and worry and uh -huh. anxiety, right? Exactly. And that's that's exactly that same kind of first you know, first move uh, to begin to see directly that, okay, look, this this is a way to move out of that little center in your head and begin to know more holistically. Yes. Beautiful. Yep. yep. I got it completely. Yeah, it's beautiful. I'm, in fact, I'm reminded, even when I was studying psychotherapy and Ericksonian hypnosis, in fact, yep. my teacher, who had lived with Erickson in Arizona for a while, uh -huh. um, introduced me to Charlotte Selver, who wrote a book you probably know called Sensory Awareness. And okay. Charlotte 
this little German woman who is like 90 pounds would travel around all over America and Europe to Zenzos, working with the Zen students, teaching them about their physical awareness of the body. Coming right. out of the mind, leading, leaving thoughts far behind, and just getting into the body. And I so and he described her, my teacher, as a profound hypnotherapist. I thought that was a very interesting way of putting it. But uh, you know, she had these big balls, and you'd play on the balls. But everything was designed locked to move into the body. And in yes. your way, I hear you saying so much of the same thing. Yes. Now the interesting thing is that that the that description is the the door that we used is actually the second of five levels of this uh-huh. process. So so I div- yes. divided into five levels of mind. Now the fifth is actually interestingly coming back to the body and also having a sense of a heart mind and also having a sense of spacious awareness and interconnectedness with all uh, kind of a unity consciousness, but then also being in your body. So, Would you walk us through those five levels? This is waking in and waking out and waking up and waking down. Could you walk us through these five that you write about? Yes. I've been enjoying the book. You can tell I've been enjoying the book. (laughs) Yes. And and certainly, you know, for for radio, it's a, it's in some ways it's such a simple map, but obviously in a, in a hour, you know, I could say it all, and but hopefully people will, um, you know, if interested, not feel they either have to get it all now or understand it because it's a little yes. new. It's it's simple once you once you get it, you realize, my God, that's not that difficult. There's not many parts to it. There's more parts to a car than there is to you know these dimensions of consciousness that yeah. you once you once you feel them you can move simply through them but just to say as i present them that you can also go and look at the book and then experientially listen to this um audio meditations which will actually take you right through step by step through the yes. five level, levels of consciousness and <clears throat> return you home to where you know you you just are who you are, but you have access to many more subtler dimensions, and you feel very much kind of ordinary and yet free. Not you yes. don't feel like you know this isn't about accessing like psychic abilities or energetic you know kundalini. You know those things right. may come come and go, and that's very you know interesting. And things release and energies move, but. It's very simple and very freeing of a certain kind of suffering that we all, which is the main goal, is to free us and then to bring us into our hearts. So, we, you know, we start yes. with awareness of awareness and we end with, you know, loving love, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it, it, mm-hmm. brings us, it brings us there. So that's where we're going. Wherever you turn, it's going to be a good thing. <laughs> yes, that's right. And the way you perceive it, you can respond. And and even when things things are not good, which obviously it's not like, you know, becoming Pollyannish, the world will continue to be, you know, what it is, and you'll respond and feel both compassion and 
and support. You'll feel supported yes. while rather than just a broken heart. So yes. so the you know sim- simply the f- first first level of mind is is the one we kind of know best and live in. It's called everyday mind or chattering mind or monkey mind or <clears throat> basically our discursive mind, our conceptual mm-hmm. mind. It's kind of, you know, that dimension of consciousness. The, that that we, part of us that we just refer to as our mind, which is yeah, doing all mind. of the stuff that it always does. Yeah, and that's, that's, that is the, you know, everyday mind. You know, that's, that's yes. mind number one. Then the second mind is either the subtle body mind, which is what we just talked about. When you drop out of your everyday mind into your body, you can be aware from your body and you're in your subtle body mind. So you're now out of your everyday mind and you're knowing your body from within. Or if you go to step above your everyday mind, you go into mindfulness, which is subtle mind observing the contents of your mind as thoughts, feelings, sensations. So most uh, most people know what mindfulness practice is, and that's basically it takes you from everyday mind to subtle mind or mindful meditator or mindful witness. Mm-hmm. And that's the second one. So, and that's, you know, some people's system, that's just it. If you can, you know, in both of those discoveries, you know, are profound. If you you could just do yes. subtle subtle body, or you could just do subtle mind, and <clears throat> practice mindfulness. Or a lot of people who do yoga, you know, they're you know they're doing subtle body, and you know, there's profound relief on a certain level. But you're still maintained in kind of a bounded system of your uh, separate <clears throat> sense of self. Mm-hmm. So the the third level of mind is actually pure awareness or uh, awareness without content, without thought and without content. And usually I have people, you can experience it within, within your body at a very subtle level, or actually I often have people unhook and come to either, either like hearing, just hearing at, have awareness focus just at, one at one ear and then awareness just as it can become very small awareness can open and become aware of the space in the room in which sound is coming going and rather than focusing on the sound if awareness opens and becomes aware of contentless spacious open timeless space yes. there's there begins to be a freedom from both body and mind and there can be a mingling so that you're aware of open space and then it's as if open space is aware so instead of being aware of open space you can start feeling oh are you aware of open space or actually am I aware from open space? Yes. And that, that feeling of being aware from open space is, <clears throat> is a, a remarkable sense of freedom um, and a dimension of consciousness that's both outside and inside your body. Once that 
you're aware from that pure awareness, then the next level of mind is when that awareness as primary comes back and includes your whole body and mind while remaining open. So there's a kind of a spacious and embodied what's called what's called simultaneous mind. So you're simultaneously spacious and embodied, simultaneously empty and full, simultaneously mm-hmm. you know um, <clears throat> transcendent and imminent. And there's a real sense of a different kind of relationship to your body and to and then what happens is you begin to feel this heart mind rather than coming when you come back to your body you don't locate in your head mind you don't locate in your uh thought you start to locate in this kind of heart heart mind that has a non-conceptual intelligence and is able to use all the information from your brain um <clears throat> sometimes I, I say you you know you you end up you come home to your heart and then you use wi-fi to the files uh, in the office of your head, so you don't have, <laughs> yeah. you don't have to go back up. Um, exactly. But literally, exactly. you start living there, and then the fifth level of mind is um, from there you begin to create and relate. So you begin to uh, enter kind of a flow state, which is basically you start to rewire your brain and your functioning in the world. So you're actually living from here. And rather than it being a meditation state, you're actually uh, talking and walking and working and laughing and uh, responding to people and situations without leaving this um, simultaneous, open, spacious, embodied, Mm -hmm. awake heart. Mm -hmm. In other words, a more integrated space and state with daily, the ups and downs and ins and outs of daily life. Yeah, and the one who's responding to those has changed, and you have this Mm -hmm. kind of support support of this tremendous field of awareness, this infinite, you know, what people call spirit or God or Tao or life itself or, you know, freedom or, um, you know, Brahman or, you know, whatever that is, Mm -hmm. that you feel Mm -hmm. that and you feel supported and you also feel non-reactive because you're not in your dualistic mind uh, and you're not scanning for danger, so you're not anxious and you're not, you know, fearful and then feelings can arise to you, the new awareness-based being, and then... Um, you 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 feel engaged. You feel curious rather than you know detached as well. Once you kind of include this sense of um, new engagement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. That is just yep. so enriching. It really is <laughs> to have that kind of landscape laid out yeah. that well. I want to let everyone know you are listening to A Better World with Mitchell J. Rabin. We're on every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Daylight and Standard Time, depending on the time of year. 
where we are in the cycle. We have a weekly newsletter that is for free, which you can get at www.abetterworld.tv, abetterworld.tv. And in that newsletter, we list who will be having on the radio show as well as the weekly television program every Monday at 7 p.m. here in Manhattan. It's on the airwaves, but you can also see it at that same website if you're outside of Manhattan. So please join us for what are really interesting and uplifting programs, television and radio shows that feed the soul as well as the heart and the mind. So uh, we love having you part of it. Today we are spending the full show with Locke Kelly, psychotherapist, teacher, author of a book called Shift into Freedom, a training in the science and practice of open-hearted awareness. Locke Kelly is a dear old friend of mine, and it's such a pleasure to have you on again, Locke, and see the great work, (laughs) really the great work you are doing. You're laying out something that has for so many years defied languaging. And yeah. even here, you know, are you full? Are you empty? Let's make up our minds. <laughs> and we cannot. We cannot because this goes beyond language. But yet you're able to articulate it. And um, I find that to be genius in itself. Um, but I'd like to uh, kind of just circle back a little bit. Yeah. When we talk about, because uh, I, I like simplifying things too and kind of uh, making yeah. it uh, you know, accessible by mm-hmm. many. And yeah. in this light, I would just like to, by way of association, when you say awareness of awareness, going back to that yeah. notion for yeah. a moment, in one way, and just please correct if this doesn't yeah. hit it, um, we talk in our inner life and our inner work, the Gurdjieff work and others, of bearing witness, of being witness to ourselves, well, it begs the question, well, who in the world is that that is bearing witness if it's not us, you know? And how do you bear some level of objectivity to your subjective nature? Well, the reality is we do have that consciousness that allows us to use imagination, to step outside of ourselves. We have that language. Um, And then I'd like to move into the idea of thinking with the heart. But for now, just that. Is that that what you call a parallel then of bearing witness to oneself and as well as bearing witness to that which witnesses or to who that witnesses? Yeah, I mean, this this, this is the, you know, as you said, it's the emptiness and the fullness which means that it's not either or, that when we shift or when we can begin to language, we have to use paradoxical logic. In other sure. words, we, yes. can't, we, can't, we can't say uh, we're separate or we're one, you know, we're one or we're many, we're empty or we're, you know, full <laughs> or we're... Right. We're transcendent, you know. We're we're you know we are God. We're Make not. Make up God. your mind already, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> right. It's it's uh, there there. It is this dance um, yeah. of paradox. But exactly. once you accept that and shift into this um, 
knowing from awareness. The awareness has no problem with paradox. It's only when we lay laying out the map we get we get kind of stuck. Yeah. So so the you know currently we're aware from thought based um, attention and we are mm-hmm. basically orienting by thought going to thought and thought referencing thought and thought checking with thought and inherent within thought is awareness but it's just that thought is primary and behind it and within it is awareness. Now, thought can't be aware of awareness. Attention can't be aware of awareness. The one we're taking ourselves to be, which is actually kind of a fast-moving, looping constellation of thought referring to thought, that's where we are kind of feel like we're located because that's where we're looking to and where we're looking from. Um, That patterning is a function, but it actually has become an identity or a felt sense of a local self, when that relaxes, <clears throat> that pattern can't find awareness. So so the, the fascinating thing is, um, you know, many of the direct methods, uh, what they try to do is like in Zen, they would say, <clears throat> um, you know, what I, I call them the resting methods. So they would say, you know, uh, muddy water, let stand becomes clear. So basically, mm-hmm. your chattering mind is muttering, muddying up everything. So yes. don't do anything. Sit there and eventually become clear, meaning the background awareness will come forward. So, however, as many people know that you can get a moment of that uh, or you have to sit, you know, one month retreat or you have to join a monastery and meditate for 20 years or that doesn't even work. So yes. the other method is, you know, more of what is called the looking method or an inquiry method. And the, one of the main ways inquiry has been done, for instance, one of the descriptions that Ramana Maharshi uses, he says, you know, it's a thorn removing a thorn. So you're actually using thought to remove thought by asking, mm-hmm. who am I? Am I a man? Am I a this person with this name and my thought, and you keep going, keep going, keep going, thought to thought, thought to thought, thought to thought. Now that can work, but again, it it you know reports have been very frustrating. So this mm-hmm. method of inquiry is kind of a radical thing, which is saying, okay, if awareness is already aware, even if it's, even if it's obscured, just you know without even knowing how you're doing it. Be awareness and don't and be aware of the awareness right away as the subject and object until it's clear that you're not looking from thought and you're not looking to thought and then once you feel that for literally you know three seconds to three minutes, then include everything else from there, and you've just shifted by having the one who's doing it be the awake you that's awake behind the obscuration so mm-hmm. so it's kind of it kind of is like well you know why you know why didn't someone do that before like or what yeah. 
It, how, how could you possibly do that? Because you're not that, but you are that. And, and so, it, you know, sometimes I say it's like the Columbo approach. I kind of like say, you know, you guys have all meditated. Okay, you know, so you know all of it. Oh, just one more thing before I, you know, like talk about anything else. Just let awareness unhook from awareness. Would you do that for me? And all of a sudden, everyone, and the, the amazing thing is, literally off the street, eight out of ten people can do it in an hour and a half, can learn how to do it. I mean, people who, who never meditated before, who yes. have no background, and then those who ha- have background are just just stunned. They're just, oh, my God. Now I see what I've been doing, but I was only able to do it. I didn't realize I was doing it. I had to do these 48 other things. And then this happened, but I thought it was related to something else. But now I see yeah. all I have to do is this. Yes. And um, it's really, I think, just kind of revolutionary to kind of really go through and see that it is this simple. And there's, you know, there's like, um, you know, even, you know, having spent, like you have, many decades both with our Western uh, objective, you know, scientific consciousness and yeah. Being open to spiritualities, we're both like, all right, but you know, I'm not going to buy. I'm not going to just believe something to believe it. I'm I'm going to mm-hmm. test it out and see if it works, and um, and that's what I've done. And even when I found these things, I always check them out again, check them out again. Yeah. And um, yeah. Yeah. and it is quite remarkable that this is um, it is possible to learn to it takes as as the same amount of time as learning you know mind base, basic what i call deliberate mindfulness meditation whatever time if you take time to do that you can actually take the same amount of time and learn how to shift from awareness to awareness through these five levels of mind yes. until you're experiencing awakening awakened living in you know like Certainly glimpses right away, and then uh, yes. the method is small glimpses many times, um, yes. and and then uh, just being interested and willing and to make it a regular part of your life, uh, it just becomes more natural, and the old habit is worn away, and the new habit um, becomes becomes clearer. I think that there is a sixth level. It just occurred to me, Locke. Okay. <laughs> May I share? Good, see? Sure. We always have to improve on each other, right? <laughs> That's right. That's how we grow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's called open-humored awareness. Okay, I like it's it. It's that level of awareness that comedians were born into <laughs> or through tough times cultivated. <laughs> and so, you know... When you can reach that level, you have everything that is before it. And then you have the humor, which means you are let in finally on the big, fat, cosmic joke. Right. I I I I happen to agree, but if I start agreeing, I'm going to start laughing. Then I'm going to, I'm not going to have much to say. I know. That. Well, there's no but about it. Forget the but. Just go for it. You know. No, I, I do, I do have you. to like when 
whenever I start teaching, I literally, I mean, it's funny because it's exactly that. Yeah. It's, it's almost like yeah. I just have to almost hold myself back. I don't do it. Don't go there. <laughs> don't go there, don't, right? Don't, because these people are staring at you, and they're very serious. They're very they're very like, serious <laughs> about something so light. You know, right? <laughs> it's so but funny. They, but then they start. As soon as they everyone starts getting it, then they start laughing, yeah. and then it's all we're all in it together. But you know, the the exactly. fascinating thing exactly. again is, like in these traditions that have a lot of preliminary practices. They all say that the simplest and most advanced method is direct recognition. And there's these four fascinating, um, like, reasons given by this one Kagyu Tibetan Buddhist tradition that says, well, why don't we, if it is here and it is equally available and it is, why don't we recognize it? And they say there's four reasons. One is it's so close you can't see it. Mm-hmm. So what that means is, it means so each of these almost means the opposite. It means like it's so close, you know, see it, <laughs> you know, like yeah, right, don't miss it. exactly. It has a <laughs> it, it it it's embedded with its opposite, right? Yes, and then it's it's so subtle, your mind you you can't understand it, and it's uh-huh. so subtle means it's not conceptual. It's subtle, it's empty. That's right. So your conceptual mind can't know it but you're you can know it you can know it because it can know itself and that's you and then it's so simple you can't believe it it's so simple it it's just so simple and you can't believe it because you're like well well why am i suffering so much it can't be this simple right this is what I've been looking simple, for all my life, and you're telling me it's right here in the middle of my nose, my face. It's, yeah. it's like, don't I have to, you know, like run around the the, the reservoir a couple times? You know, exactly, do exactly. <laughs> just like, and, and just then, like Dorothy and, said at the end of the yeah. movie, you know, that's there's right. no place like home. All you have that's to right. do is tap your heels, you know. Yeah. Click your heels, please. Go on. And. Yeah, and then the fourth one is really the the kicker. It's so good you can't accept it. it, it it's so it's so good you can't believe. Oh. How could I have earned this? How how could it be so good for me? Yes. Maybe for someone else, but I'm going to start listing all the terrible things that I've thought and done, and it's like no, 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 no. You're good. We're all good. Yes. We're basic yes. goodness. It's yes. so good that let's all accept it. Let's all be good, accept what's good, and then we can live the good life, meaning we can all help each other live on this planet. Yeah. I mean, sure. There's a beautiful old phrase from the Taoist tradition that goes something like this, Locke. Everyone looks for the Tao far away and thinks of it as so complicated when it is so nearby and so simple. That's it. Same thing. That's it. So then it's it's like, it's just, so then that's the, so once, you know, this kind of, I said, okay, so keep it simple, keep it simple, keep it simple, give context, give framework, lead people in this door, lead people in that door. Maybe they have different learning style. You know, that's, maybe that's what's getting in the way, but it's simple, now try this. 
it's simple now try this simple now try yes. that and then they'll, the third one they'll go oh those first two I didn't get oh the third one oh <laughs> right. oh well exactly. why didn't you tell me this before <laughs> <laughs> yeah I did <laughs> <laughs> you know this wasn't the I, right one for you yeah Yes, exactly. And you, in your book, if I may say, yes. you give such allowance for the different ways. You lay it out like an awesome, highly compassionate school teacher yes. who walks people through the options, who also says everyone is unique, and you do it your way. You wake up your awakeness not mine. Yeah. And right. you, you give such, I will put it, as a compassionate allowance for whatever yeah. shows up, that there's no failing. And that's a really important idea here. Yeah. There's yeah. no way to fail. You cannot no. fail. And I will say that when I started <laughs> listening, actually, to the Sounds True CDs, and yes. started doing the glimpse practices myself, I instantly, yes. first exercise, ear, instantly got it. And I went, oh, my, this is so brilliant. Because yes. it's so simple, its brilliance is in its simplicity. Yes. So, you know, I, I want to just really thank you for taking the time you know, what is that great yeah. phrase? I didn't have enough time to say it very simply, you know. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> right, you know. That's good. Huh? And you took the time to make it simple. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, you know what I'm saying. I'd like to make another uh, point from something okay. that you were saying to extrapolate, which is this idea of a misidentity. And yeah. that's not like Miss and Mister. That's like right. a mistaken identity, mistaken you know. Identity, and yeah. we are all living from yeah. an identity that is usually in our society with our head brain. And yeah. science has shown us that we have brain material and our nervous system that is strewn throughout our entire body, as you and yeah. I were saying at the very beginning. Uh, we have neuroreceptor sites in our heart, some 40,000 yep. neurons. Uh, yep. We have those same in our gut. We have what we can call a gut brain, you know. And so when you really start to look at all of this, you see that we're a huge brain in some ways. We're the body electric. And mm -hmm. this is yep. very exciting. This is very cool. But because we have on some different levels made a choice to operate out of only one small little narrow platform of neural activity which occurs between our two ears in our skull when we have all of this other rich material why would we want to limit our identity to that but in fact that is so much of what we have done and I feel that you are helping to invite us to have a much larger uh, sense of identity with our true nature, ultimately. But by yeah. using these glimpse exercises to explore what it's like to feel that you're operating out of another place. I, yeah. I, I think it's beautiful work. Yes, thank you. Am yeah, I, I, I hitting I think... the... 
the, yeah, the notes think, here? Yeah, I'm going to say a couple things that came up that I think are helpful. Uh, Please. As, I, as I'm traveling around, you know, the country and kind of gathering. Yeah, you just came back from the Bay Area and Portland. Yeah, feed, feedback. Teaching and sharing, uh, yeah. There was a group that had read my book, you know, like a group of 75 for eight weeks. They had done a study, and they were like ex- just reporting all these experiences, and they were having certain questions, which I think are important. Uh, as you say, the you know, those who are listening uh the audio will is the simplified version and the experiential version will lead you right through you know in like short 3 to 8 minute guided you know tour of your own consciousness uh yes. but but the that mistaken identity is is you know almost like a developmental stage you know or a developmental pattern that we aren't you know that's just kind of such a habit culturally, biologically, um, that it needs a t- kind of developmental stage, you know, so that, you know, I I say that awakening is the ne- next natural stage of development, but it needs, yes, like school-age development, you know, a lot of the early stages of life happen by themselves, you know, around the world, similar times. But when you get to school-age development, if you don't go and learn to read and write, you won't learn to read and write. So this is if you don't learn learn to wake up, you probably, you know, you'll probably stay in the old developmental stage of pre-reading. Yes. So this is, you know, something. But in the same way, it takes about as much time as a kid to learn to read as for adult to learn to wake up. I think that mm-hmm. is clear. And the other thing, just to say about mistaken identity, is that. You know, people get scared when this whole no self or going beyond my ego or killing my ego. And what is discovered is that when the mistaken identity relaxes, that pattern, which is kind of thinking and ego function, which is your own functioning as a physical and mental creature, remembering, you know, your phone number, remembering who you are, where you work, you know, that function of your ego body and your thinking, which is looping and creating a little mini-me feeling in your brain, when that relaxes, the functions just return to their natural state. No ego identity is killed. It currently thinks it's going to get killed, and it's trying to maintain its identity. But when it relaxes, and most importantly, the thing that's most helpful is that I found and why I do this approach the way I do is Mm -hmm. I introduce people to the the next operating system right away rather than leaving you in the gap of no self yes. or the gap of uh, not knowing, <clears throat> but you go right from the conceptual knowing to the not knowing that knows is embodied. And so you yes. feel that you're, when you have, you you feel the absence of that, center, self-center, but you feel like your personality is the same. You didn't lose your personality. You still can laugh. If you if you mm-hmm. liked Chinese food before, you'll still like Chinese food now. If you didn't, you won't. <laughs> you know, you don't lose yeah. you don't lose anything except the pain, suffering, and neurosis of um, of your life. You still have your own you know, and you still have your own growth to do in, in other areas of life, you know, that's not you don't yes. become instantly perfect either but the main thing to assure people that 
you know, you you'll be you'll you'll be free and you'll be you and you'll be connected to the ocean of awareness, which your your identity will be bigger and it'll be emptier, but it'll be fuller and it'll be also what they say, you know, call in Zen ordinary mind. You'll just be like, mm-hmm. you know, some people are like, oh, well, there's no fireworks. I'm just me, yes. except minus all the suffering. <laughs> and it's like, right. yeah, that's right. You, that's that's it. Right. So that's you know that's kind of important. Um, Trungpa you know, Rinpoche used to call that ordinary magic, and was yeah. the basis of his basic goodness. Uh, practices yes, in the Shambhala right. program. Yeah, and that's what people no, feel. You're absolutely so, there. so to say that what happens is that people feel the basic goodness, and when I hear, ask for reports like, "What's that like? What's going on now?" People say, "Well, you know what? I feel like I'm okay. That who I am is not a problem. There's no, there's nothing wrong with me." And what that is, is is that shame has gone. Like the sense of something's wrong, I'm worthless, I'm unlovable, I'm bad, dumb. Like that goes. And you and people feel the opposite. A sense of, well, I feel I feel feel safe. I feel all is well. And that's like not a belief that they're reporting. That's like that's really right. like really, really feeling An experience. Like ah. Oh, you know what? I'm okay. Yes. Everything's okay. Yes. You know, and it's just like, wow, what a relief. Mm. So beautiful. <laughs> no, yeah. really, and you put it so nicely. You really do. It's uh it's it's a real joy. Um my uh different minds are spinning. <laughs> <laughs> However, they are coherent at the okay. same time. <laughs> no. Uh, no, I so appreciate all that you're sharing here with us and our audience yeah. here, and it's um, it's very touching, and mm. it's uh, awakening all parts. And uh, how healthy can it be? You know, I mean, it's just you're. It's a decontraction from mm. everything in our physical body, and if you will, our mental and emotional bodies. It's an allowance of a shift of attention, of awareness, Mm -hmm. and it takes us out of ordinary, habituated thinking. But I've got to tell you, I'm reflecting on why it has been so difficult for so many thousands of years at this point for people to wake up. And one Mm -hmm. of a couple of the reasons, Locke, is that people have had a lock on information. Even going yeah. back to the ancient Tibetan Buddhists with Milarepa and Tilopa yeah. and Marpa and the Zen tradition and the Chan tradition, a lot of people were actually um, making not a small amount of money and mm. they were gaining not a small amount of power and prestige by being the caretakers of knowledge. And mm-hmm even though this is the opposite of compassion, they, you know, you could say there was hoarding going on. I know in the mm-hmm. Chinese tradition, when it comes to things like Tai Chi Chuan, uh, it was transmission through family. And if you were fortunate enough to know that family, 
the knowledge would be sort of uh, meted out to you, small bite size by small bite size. And if you wanted more, you virtually had to beg and knock down the door, wait for years, be told you're not ready, oh, just one story or another. And this actually forms a large part of the wisdom traditions across the planet of a level of ownership of information and not letting the mindset be as fluid and open as you have, honestly, in your book, which says anybody can do this, folks. Anybody can access this level of their own higher nature, their own true nature, and it's a glimpse practice, and you can do it this way or that way or this way or that way, and... Just if you keep applying it, you're going to be dehabituating yourself from your ordinary, let's say, habitual mindset, and you'll move into this other space, which is the richness I'm suggesting has already been there, is, as Werner Erhard used to say, already the case, you know. So could you respond to that? Yeah, I mean, I think there certainly is some you know, <clears throat> institutionalization, you know, which is kind of part That's of good our hum- yeah. human way of organizing information that then creates a club, you know, the insiders and the outsiders, and, you know, just like all religious other and organizational institutions. other institutions around, you know, city-states or tribal yeah. culture or, you know, that the same organization happens with, knowledge or scientific societies or spiritual meditation societies that it ends up being um a group that wants to that ends up even 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 though they don't know it it's almost like a group you know group think that creates this that's right let's just not share it because you know there might be some who really might misuse it oh yeah 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 that's right that's right so there's some something of that mentality and i i agree and i see that and i address that and i just say you know I've looked at that, and I've listened, and I've asked people, well, why not? Why haven't you done it? What is there? Is there danger? And interestingly, one of my teachers uh, just said that the only danger of this direct method is actually intellectualization. In other words, that you you learn it, but then you actually go back to your mind and create an intellectual version of it. So that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's a danger, but... <clears throat> It's not, these are not uh, practices where your body is going to get hurt or you're going to go insane or that, you know, the other is that you, you know, sometimes become prideful. But, you know, what happens is if you really experience this, you really lose all pride. You just don't feel like you own anything. You know, it's it's not yes. the case. And then uh-huh. the other one is uh, something about um, a sense that, well, it's so precious we can't just give it out because some people, if they misunderstand it, they won't come back. You know, they'll they'll miss it and they won't, um, you know, won't value it. But it's much more dangerous, I feel now, to not have if we have this technology of awakening these these simple pointers to who we are. It's more dangerous to not share them and to not give them out freely and to not allow people to awaken and become begin to be compassionate you know more naturally and you know find creative ways to share it with others because yes. that's 
that's likely to be one of the linchpins for our survival of our planet. Yes. Yes. Exactly. I, I'm so glad you brought that up. I, I wanted to come to that. This is yeah. not just sort of like some kind of leisure time. You know, <laughs> I think I would like to access more of myself, you know, because yeah. why not? No, 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 no. This is actually a matter of survival because these yeah. practices and this inner work sensitizes us. It subtilizes us to be able to feel, you know, the the wings of a butterfly fluttering so that we would be so attuned to the nature and vibration of nature, of reality. Yeah. That we will want to, we feel the impulse to protect, to love, to nurture all sentient life around us, which of course is the basis of the, the bodhisattvic vow, you know, yeah. to work for the liberation of all sentient beings. And we can, without even taking such a vow, can live on that extraordinary frequency. And when we are feeling that, you do no harm, you know. We are beings that seek to preserve our Mother Earth, our Gaia, and appreciate each other. And that is our way to harmony and sustainability, not, you know, the way we're doing it. So... It's, that's yeah, how important the work is that you're doing. It is. It's a it's a linchpin, yeah. and that's what it's for. It's not, you know, it's not the whole thing. Everyone else's contribution and, you know, is is important, and other things, you know, and external things that people are doing to help bring us together. And indeed, it's all know, part of the whole. All part, all of, part of the but, whole. Yeah. But this creates a whole different motivation that doesn't come from fear and. Shoulds. I mean, I know you probably have seen, and I, I have, you know, a group, a gathering of of peace activists, you know, f- organizing a peace rally, and then they're, you know, end up arguing about what, you know, who's going to yeah, be doing exactly. this, this, you know. So it's like this is kind of a yeah. motivation that's different. That's not about that. It's about like, that's right. yeah, let's go. Let's let's, you know, we're doing this. We're all together. It's all, it's possible. Let's, you know, let's, you know, let's show up and. And uh, exactly, uh, and it yeah. So so it's very uh, it's very hopeful, and it takes it's like starting with that you know that child's picture of you know one side is a picture of of the globe with all the countries, and the other side is the picture of you know like the puzzle of the picture of themselves. And you know if you put that yes. together first, you'll you'll have the you know you'll you'll have a ground to be able to respond and have a new motivation from. Uh-huh. That's right. That's right. That's right. Well, this has been utterly wonderful to uh, yeah. talk with you about this uh, work that you're doing, well, we're doing, and I, I feel you've articulated it in a way that can really, is designed to help really many thousands of people, and yeah. uh, for which I am grateful. So. Thank you, Mitchell, for all the work you do and sharing it with your audience. Oh, well, sure. Of course, Locke. Thank you. Uh, What is the way people can get in touch with you, your website? Yes. So the the website is simply 
www.lockkelly.org, which is L-O-C-H-K-E-L-L-Y.org. It's a nonprofit organization, and the website has events, and it has links to my book and CD, and there's an online course going on that people could join, and um, uh, different uh, retreats coming up that... uh, are good for a little more in-depth work. But, uh, yeah, the first thing is, if nothing else, I mean, I would say even getting the audio rather than the book, if you're going to do one thing or or try one thing out, um, you can't go wrong. And if if it's the pith or the essence of the whole thing that's simplified, simplified, simplified into... Um, practical, and you put it on your download it onto your computer, put it on your phone, and you can do yes. it with your eyes open on a subway. It's actually, you know, not something. It's something meant to train you to be awake in the world. Yes, yes, <clears throat> so. that is. It's uh, what we need. Yes, it's what we need. Um, we'll have you on again, and we'll we'll pick okay. up where we left <laughs> off. Okay. If such a thing is possible, but we'll try. So thank you again, Locke Kelly, for your good work and for coming on to our show today and sharing with our audience. So appreciate it. Thank you, Mitchell. Yeah. Sure. We'll talk soon. Okay. Shift into freedom. The science and practice of open-hearted awareness is his book. And as he was just mentioning, uh, Shift into Freedom sounds true has a wonderful CD set, and Locke walks one through the various glimpse practices, and one can begin to build um, a mental muscle, if you will, an awareness muscle, even better, and access this deeper part of ourselves that comes to fruition through his gentle, uh, loving guidance and uh, patient guidance, as I said, and we were both making reference to throughout today's show. Well, I really appreciate your coming today again and visiting and visiting a better world, and your visits actually help to make it a better world. I want to remind you all that we are also a nonprofit 501c3, a Better World Foundation, and any donation, contribution, investment. Uh, helps keep us on the air and expanding our platform. We're also looking for interns, um, preferably in the New York area, but not necessarily to help us with developing social media and actually even doing some editing, audio and video. So if you uh, qualify, certainly give us a call here at 212-420-0800. That's 212-420-0800, or email, and I love to hear your comments anyway. It helps me offer you uh, even better shows. We're going for leadership, folks. We're looking to build leaders on our planet, and the work that Locke is doing is really helping people access all of themselves and bring it forward into the world so we can. We're in trouble. We're in a lot of trouble right now 
economically, environmentally, socially, politically. It's pretty obvious to one and all. And we need big-hearted, open-minded, creative, imaginative people with integrity, with stamina to uh, work through this transition period. It's actually also very exciting. Trouble in River City, true. But getting out, the transition into another level of our beingness, oh my, and the kind of world that will create, that's our game here at A Better World, folks. So that email address, you thought I forgot, I did not. MJR at abetterworld.net, my initials, MJR at abetterworld.net. And again, thank you for joining. Take this link also and share it with your friends. Let others know about what we're doing here at A Better World and visit our website, of course, betterworld.tv. And for consultations with me or to participate in our workshops, go to mitchellrabin.com. Thank you again, and I look forward to seeing you all. Thank you.